Ready, Dave? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. This is Jordan Cooper. This is Dave Fox. That's Dave Fox. Oh, my God. We're back. Uh, <laughs> and How is everybody doing? Uh, yeah. Let's ask the room. How is everybody? <laughs> Woo! Um, this is... Holy shit. That was my dog <laughs> answering my question. Um, All right. Moving on. <laughs> um, this is the big miscellaneous tea episode now before people get angry at us. Whoa. Um, this, this is a little not chronological because miscellaneous tea actually came out after Flood. Have right. you heard of that album, Flood? Um, so Miscellaneous Tea came out in 1991, but it is comprised of 80s recordings. And right. kind of the order that I see myself doing these episodes in is uh, kind of a chronological slash relevance. So while there's other stuff before Miscellaneous Tea, it's not as widely released. Does that make sense to you, Dave? Sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that's why we're doing Miscellaneous Tea. And also because, you know, those songs really are at home with their first two albums. Similar kind of production style, similar exactly. songwriting style. Some I would of them say. are the same songs. Yeah, some of them are the same songs. So, but before we get to Miscellaneous Tea, Dave, well, first of all, how are you? Mm, B plus. Okay. B minus. Uh, there's two, there's a couple. How are you? Uh, I am... I'm freaking out. No, I'm I'm okay. Good. <laughs> I was trying to get. So I should drink some of my tea. I'm not. I don't have the energy yet. Hold on. Mm. Let's take a tea break. Miscellaneous tea. We're back. I like that. <laughs> oh my god. So how come they never put? I guess because they drink coffee. They yeah, they should. Miscellaneous tea. TMBG brand tea. Yeah, they're like catalog. Yeah, I would buy that. So I had two things about Lincoln still to talk about. What really? <laughs> hold come on. on. Hold on. Back up. Back up. Oh. Just a, just two Ugh. little things. Oh, oh, uh, all right. One is that I was like just thinking about purple toupee, <laughs> and as one does, and I I realized that I never really thought about what the fuck why purple toupee. Mm -hmm. Like I got the verses pretty well, but it never occurred to me until I was just sort of bored and sitting around thinking about it that it's like so the idea is that a toupee because we didn't really say this in that up in the Lincoln episode so the idea is that a toupee is like kind of it's kind of an embarrassing false uh, thing that someone might want to wear right it's mm -hmm. like you easy to make fun of so it, I think Linnell is using it in that sense that it's an easy make fun of and the purple toupee is like so he's he's equating the sixties nostalgia with someone kind of putting on this. So a toupee covers reality. Mm -hmm. It covers the reality that you don't have hair yeah. and it's like a costume, but it's like someone's trying to act like it's them. So yeah. just as someone swept up in the sixties nostalgia in a way yeah. that I guess disgusted John Linnell <laughs> <laughs> um, is kind of wearing it like it's the reality of life, but it's actually like a fakeness, you know? And yeah. I, I, this might sound very obvious to, to some of our listeners, but I actually really never thought of it like in those words before. So I just wanted to mention that. 
And the other thing is my girlfriend had a, had a little nugget about a pencil rain. Mm-hmm. So she was, she listened to the episode. Uh, she's a big fan. And that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, we were talking about how like the first three lines in pencil rain are, are all literary references. And then right. she's like, Oh, so is the song saying like the pen is mightier than the sword kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like talking about these books and poems. And I was like, Oh shit. Hmm. That's kind of, that's kind of an interesting layer to it. Right. Like it might not be a coincidence that in the first three lines are about these references. And then it's about like a writing tool, you know, I don't know. So she's like, I always took that song as saying like, you know, writing and cre- art and creation is like better than war or something or is like or could be as powerful as war i don't know i was hmm. like oh there's so many different ways to think about a song that i had said was not that uh layered it was definitely another way to look at it i think yeah so i want to talk about that the other thing we had to talk about uh so dave yeah. the last two episodes yeah joshua freed our, yeah. our, our friend, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm really proud of those episodes. I think we did a good job interviewing him. Uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think that was a new thing for us and, uh, I'd like to do more. Yeah. I interviewed someone once on the radio. Do you remember that? I interviewed Cynthia Hopkins, a oh. wonderful songwriter. You interviewed uh, me once York. on the radio too. I, interviewed, I forgot about that. <laughs> that's true. I just remember that. I now. interviewed Dave once on the radio, in the for same radio hour. station. This radio station, for some reason, gave us like yeah. all like a real radio station in New York. What's that guy's name? Chad. 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 Where's the, Chad? I guess he liked us, and he's just like, "You guys ever want to do any half hour <laughs> he's you like, want? We got to fill time. Go for <laughs> it." And so I did a, a yeah. we did a half hour of. Of me and Dave and, and of our friend James being silly and ba- making up characters and sketches. And then we did a half hour, me interviewing Dave about his band. Right. And then I did a half hour by myself where I just played my songs and talked about them. <laughs> and then I also did a half hour where I interviewed this woman, Cynthia Hopkins. And that was a really nerve wracking. Like I had a lot of the questions in yeah, front of I me. Imagine. And I almost did a half hour interviewing David Byrne. How did that? Hap, emailed, almost happened and then I, not I know I emailed his like publicist or something and said this is for the radio it's like w, what was it WNYE or something that sounds right and they said oh okay and we started to schedule it and then at just the last it was a few days last me he's like why am I doing this no it was a few days before <laughs> they just said his, his schedule he's not going to be in New York that week now and I was wow. like oh wow but it was so that would have been a good feather in your cap yeah, Jesus. So let me move on. So that, that's that, it is kind of interesting to talk about our early times on the radio and doing a show where we're talking into mics and interviewing each other or people. Uh, but the Joshua Free thing was still kind of new and, and scary because the context of it being about a They Might Be Giants right. podcast, it, it still felt kind of embarrassing and nerdy, even though I'm talking to a friend of theirs. I mean, maybe that's why so right. I'm talking to a friend of theirs and I'm like, I love your friends. Right. He's like, yeah, I know. I yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. He's, I mean, he seemed a, a fan too. So. Um, actually he signed the hello CD for me yeah. from one fan to another, which I thought was beautiful. Oh yeah. I never asked what he wrote yeah. on mine. And then he, he said, wrote, uh, get rid of Dave. Yeah. Um, so I had said that the song town to town was most likely, or I think I said definitely, <laughs> whoops, a reference to a Tom Waits <laughs> song, jockey full of bourbon. Uh, that still might be true, but both songs uh, are referencing an an old poem, nursery rhyme. That's an old poem called yeah, <laughs> called Ladybird, Ladybird, and yeah, it's from 1744, and the author is unknown. Uh, I'm you know I'm at the Wikipedia for it, but the, generally it, it has those lines: Ladybird, Ladybird, fly away home. Your house is on fire, and your children are gone. 
And it's a fucking scary poem. And it says, all except one, her name is Anne, and she hid under the baking pan. Yikes. How come all old poetry is horrifying? <laughs> old nursery rhymes are yeah, all terrifying. Everything. I guess it was just a sign of the times. I think the life was horrible for everybody. Yeah, it might have been. Uh, back then, <laughs> as opposed to now, where it's... Yeah numbingly mediocre for everybody. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Um, so I just wanted to clear up those things before we go. And now uh, that's the end of the episode. And Miscellaneous Tea is coming up in a month. No. So we're going to start Miscellaneous Tea now. And so a little background about it. Dave, do you have any uh, any thoughts about it or or anything you want to say? Uh, the little Well, the little background is I never owned Miscellaneous Tea, I have to admit. Holy shit. Because all those tracks are on then the earlier years. Yeah. Yeah. I So I only owned it on cassette. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to walk around summer camp. I talked to Joshua Freed about this a little, like listening to it constantly on cassette. To me, it was just an album, you know? It wasn't so much right. a... I didn't really see it as a bunch of throwaway songs. And at the risk of making this episode intro very long, I wanted to ask Dave, I mean, the idea of B-sides... Mm. is something I really was excited to talk to you about. And I kept being sad when we kept postponing this recording because yeah. I was like, I just want to talk about that. The idea of B-sides is, has always been re- incredibly interesting to me for bands because often they're amazing. Yeah, very often. <laughs> and it's it's really weird because you just go, well, why couldn't you just put that one or two songs on the album? Right, right. But then me and you making albums and trying to kind of organize our art into like definitive yes it's yeah stuff that is like you someone can comprehend you do kind of see what happens which is you go oh that thing doesn't quite fit we made a movie uh for my thesis film it's like 30 minutes long it's about a bad cartoonist 30 years old and and yeah and you know i had to cut out scenes from it and i cut out probably my favorite scene that we shot you know and i put it in deleted scenes on youtube and stuff but I used to watch deleted scenes on DVDs, you know, and go, why would they cut this out? And sometimes I still think that. So the idea of B-sides being something that is no less of quality, but for some reason or another doesn't fit or, or disrupts things, right? It kind of like a weird throwing off of the album. Maybe, I mean, maybe we just get, we'd be used to it. I think you and I talked to Joshua Freed a little bit about this possibly off mic or, oh shit or just speaking of deleted stuff maybe it was in the actual interview part <laughs> yeah i did cut out a, a little um, bit but we talked a little bit about that some there's a lot of various reasons why stuff doesn't go on main albums some of it might mm-hmm. be up to record companies mm. um saying this is too weird or this isn't a single um some of it the kids ain't gonna dance to mr claw <laughs> gotta get that shit right. off of there guys i would um big cigar <laughs> and sometimes it is uh the artist choice where it's like, well, we have a song that's similar to this. Flansburg has said right. that about, we were going to talk a lot about this, but he said that about all the songs left off Factory Showroom. And he was like, well, we already had a piano-y yeah, mid-tempo yeah. song. And it's like... Eh, Which I wonder as the record industry changes and goes more to singles and individual songs. I mean, the concept <laughs> yeah. of the album has kind of faded away anyway. People listen to stuff There's all out of There's only people like us who are yeah. hanging on, gripping tightly. Well, I love the concept of the album and sequencing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get why stuff wouldn't fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that there's a lot of different people involved. Yeah, uh, this is something I think about all the time. And what are some, are there other B-sides from like other bands that you love? What comes to mind for you, my, um, my friend Dave? A lot of stuff. And actually, 
I am your friend. I was going to say before if I say... If he doesn't remind me that he's yeah. my friend, every every 18 minutes, Please, I... Please, stop s- hitting me. Start to, yeah, I'm your friend. I cry. An add-on to that topic is, I also think the people that make the B-sides are the very productive bands, which yeah. is a whole other topic, because I know Too like... Too many songs. Just to throw out, you know, really quick, not to harp on Metallica, but Metallica has <laughs> almost no B-sides. And I know oh, really? No, yeah, almost none. Hmm. I mean, I know like in 2007 when Metallica did their sort of re reinvigorating I think we uh, all remember that re- rebirth album with Rick Rubin that was kind of back to their you know 80s more thrash style Enter Sandman 2 <laughs> was that one of the songs uh, well they did Unforgiven 2 and then <laughs> Unforgiven 3 <laughs> I was just yeah. kidding okay but anyway I was shocked when they put out a little EP because I don't think they have many EPs at all if yeah, they do it's yeah. like a single and then f- five live versions mm-hmm. called Beyond Magnetic I guess they were in this sort of you know, renaissance period where they were overwriting. Um, and I could see why those songs were not on the album because they're, they were kind of not as focused, but there's still like lots of great stuff. I mean, it's funny just talking about bands that overwrite or are incredibly productive. Yeah. Like they might be giants. They have the luxury of even having a B-sides album. Yeah. Uh, but for someone like Metallica or someone like me, uh, it's very hard to write songs. Talking I heads. Don't have much material. Yeah. I think there was an interview with David Byrne or something, or, or I might be thinking of Johnny Marr with the Smiths, but there was, they both have said stuff like we didn't leave much off. Yeah, Like yeah. we really did, you know, what we did, we were very excited about and that was it. And we put it out. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if there's I had a lot of rarities, if I had something extra, I would just have to save it for the next album that would in five or six years or whenever that comes out. So John and John are extremely prolific. Um, they've we've said how they've said before their first album they like threw away like two hundred songs or something, right? Uh, which seems impossible to me, but I guess it is like five years of songwriting and performing and you know maybe not two hundred. Two hundred seems crazy. Yeah, maybe yeah. he was exaggerating. But you were asking about. Bands I like. Yeah, what's a, what's B-sides. a good B side um, you like? I mean, Carl and I talk about some bad religion B sides. Carl, Carl is, is my guitar player from Dead on a Friday. Dead um, on a Friday. Is Dead on Friday is my band. I I learned from yeah. a recent email, Dave, that yeah, people are listening that. to us out of order. Yeah, um, that's fine because they're, I don't think it is. They're <laughs> they're topic based episodes, yeah. but. I do. I do want to be aware of that and remind people yeah. uh, what's going on. My name is Jordan Cooper. <laughs> this is a podcast. This is a podcast. They might be giants. Mm-hmm. Podcasts come from the term, the Latin term. Carl and I were mm-hmm. talking about. You know, they used to put out these punkorama compilations, um, like Epitaph and Fat Records would have okay. these uh, often B sides stuff that bands weren't using that were amazing songs. So, like mm. these punkorama comps, there used to be something called compilations, guys. <laughs> Uh, where you would try to get into new bands by listening to a sample of what their sound was like. And Bad Religion would two or three times put out the most mind-blowing song for Mm. these punkorama comps that would change, I think, the entire shape of the album that they were supposed to be on. But they, for whatever reason, just didn't want to do it. I mean, songs Wait, so you mean it would change it because... uh, For the better. Oh, for the better. Okay. If they they swapped out maybe two or three weaker songs and put these B-sides on, it would be like a perfect... Turn it into a classic. I have a lot of... uh, That happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, you know... This happens to me with uh, Morrissey Lee over his career leaves tons of amazing songs off and off the albums and then there's some albums that have like six or seven songs i don't like that you know and i'm like why didn't you put the really good ones so i mean carl and i talk about how some of our all time i mean 
mean, mm-hmm. all time for 30 yeah. years, 15 albums, all time favorite songs are these little one-off B-sides yeah. that, that went nowhere, that had no home. So yeah, no, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of B-sides that get lost between the cracks and yeah. they're great songs. Yeah, I love that there's a lot of Frank Black B-sides I love. Yeah, yeah. I was actually listening a lot to his Miscellaneous Tea, which is an album called Oddballs, which might sound Oddballs is amazing. Might sound familiar to some They Might Be Giants fans. Uh, but I was listening to that. I listened to that like twice in a row the other day, and I was like, I, re- I love these. There's maybe two or so songs that I'm not crazy about, but like, I, I just really love them. Uh, I mean, it's a good problem to have to be yeah. <laughs> an amazing songwriter and prolific. <laughs> it's not easy, Dave, but it's yeah. I get through it. Um, so, <laughs> wish I had either problem. Uh, yeah, I have too many songs also. I mean, th- making my first album, I had to really decide. I have hundreds of songs, and I picked 12 <laughs> that I thought fit together. And my girlfriend disagreed with me, I think, on a few of them. And she's like, why don't you put this one that's great on it? But it, it's like we we're talking about. It's it's not as much about quality as it is about the vibe. Right. <laughs> as it is about um, the songs feeling right together. And I certainly left off probably like 50 of my favorite songs I've written over the past 15 years uh, off of my first album. But it's, I don't know, to me, the songs that are on there really work. And well, maybe in the future, I'll talk more about, (laughs) plug my own album, but we're not here to do that. Well, see, that's funny. Damn it. Yeah. I just write until I literally have 13 tracks (laughs) and then I'm like, okay, now it's time to make something. But I also like censor myself a lot and edit myself. Mm -hmm. And if something's not good, I'm like, well, this will never go on an album. So no point in finishing it. Yeah. So let's, let's go to miscellaneous tea. Uh, first I wanted to talk, well, we talked a little with Joshua Freed about the cover. I love the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, to me, it's very, it's funny because it's like we said, miscellaneous tea is a very apartment kind of album yes yes this, the the cover is from his hallway i think flansberg made those letters himself i think he, it's like a font he invented and then he cut out right that's what it's that's what it looks like to me and he took the photo in his hallway and for the cassette which is what i had it was a stairwell and it's funny because i didn't i was kind of i think me and dave both get our late often to technology like we didn't have cell phones <laughs> until way after everyone had cell phones and i didn't buy cds for a really long time in the nineties. So I, I just had tons of cassettes and I carried a Walkman around with me like a schlub and, uh, yeah, like a bag over my shoulder, like Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the cassette cover from Slane's Tio, I'm being on the stairwell, an upside down photo of the stairwell in, in their apartment building or whatever, uh, was what I thought was the cover. Right. You so I thought that was it. Yeah. So I was kind of shocked when I saw the CD and it was different. So I thought that was cool. Didn't Brian Dewan have something to do with the cover? Yeah. Brian Dewan, someone who I, I really like. The album photography was done by him and John Flansburg. Brian yes. Dewan did the cover for Lincoln. So, and I think they lived in the same like apartment together as far as I've read or him and Linnell were roommates. I like his name a lot. Yeah. It's a cool name. And let's talk about the title, Miscellaneous Tea. Sure. Uh, it's a very funny, it's a, uh, it's self-deprecating. Yes. So the concept, which you'll hear the Johns themselves explain, they're right here. They're mm. with us. No, it's a clip. Is there any like special deep meaning to the title of the album Miscellaneous Tea or is it? Well, actually the idea was that um, in record stores you have bins that, you know, I used to work in a record store. So there's like the miscellaneous tea, which is the section where the, the people who, you know, there's like, who has bins in tea? The, the, the trogs, perhaps. The trogs. <laughs> and then there's like the big bin that just has like the grab bag of stuff, you know, 
that only, people only have one or two records out. And people, in other words, bands that don't have their own yeah. section end up in miscellaneous too. Yeah. So since this was like sort of a grab bag of songs, you know, because it was all B-sides and songs from different records, uh, you know, different EPs and stuff like that, it just seemed like it was a miscellaneous collection. There's no theme behind it. It wasn't recorded at the same time. So it's well, kind you, of a miscellaneous you guys selection probably, of songs. You spent a little time in the miscellaneous T section when you first started out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll probably be uh, visiting think, the miscellaneous T section sometime. <laughs> no, I, come on. You got, there's, hey. you have, there's enough of an oeuvre of uh, they might be giants oeuvre now to give you your own section in, in the record stores or the CD stores or whatever they right. are. Right. Well, you know, but as that Johnny Mitchell song went, you know, uh, they tore everything down <laughs> and replaced it with studs. I see. <laughs> that was a paraphrase. But the concept behind the title, Miscellaneous Tea, is that in their, you know, before being signed to a major label, their CDs or cassettes or records would be found in the miscellaneous section yes. in your local record store. And it would be, you know, if, and it, if the miscellaneous section even designated uh, an alphabet, which sometimes they don't, right. sometimes it's just a pile of stuff, uh, it would be in the T section. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it made me think of a lot of the, the times looking for They Might Be Giants albums when I first got into them. You might have when, missed some stuff. When there were a lot of record stores around, it's like I, I would just constantly keep seeing the same other bands. So mm. did you have this experience, or maybe this was just me, constantly seeing that dog <laughs> next to them, Therapy was the one that's yeah, like therapy. right before them, mm -hmm. and I'm always, for some reason, it always seemed to me like maybe they're like, they might be giants. It's just alphabetical. Just because they're next to them. <laughs> yeah, but what is Therapy's music like, I wonder? Maybe that should be our next podcast. I think Jordan and Dave go to therapy. Actually, I think they're a hardcore <laughs> punk. Heavy, wait, you hear this is a good they're hardcore punk. They were on a, a Misfits compilation. They covered one of their things. I'm oh, okay. Therapy with like a there question mark, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's I'm positive. Same well, that question mark is apt kind of because I don't know anything about them. I'm amazed I could have told you anything about them. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. There is a, there's a band called like They Eat Their Own or something that shows up right next to our bin in the record That's store. Right. <laughs> you know, you kind of you kind of become aware of uh, bands that have similar like you know, like uh, the the is right next to us in the old the, the, the 38 band. special. That's 38 special. One. Yeah, it's not that interesting a section of uh, the rock bands. So yeah, that that's sort of my memory of of looking through the bins for they might be giants. I still do it. I'm still looking for the you know whatever rare thing I could find. I've got a couple of cool vinyls and stuff. So this came out after Flood, and it was made of of it's it's a compilation of songs that were b-sides of early singles right. so the don't let start single we've got the hotel detective single and i it's funny i was thinking about this too like i've never experienced these songs as that as yeah. b-sides for those singles which is weird because there are b-sides that i like the s-e-x-x-y uh b-sides mm. i can't think of them without thinking about like factory showroom and s-e-x-x-y and that cover Whereas the miscellaneous TV sides, because I was a little late to the game, uh, I did not have these singles. Well, I was going to say, uh, the sequencing of miscellaneous T really threw me off when we were doing research for this episode, because I'm so used to the order that they appeared in on then, mm. the earlier years. The so, early yeah. years. so I kept expecting a different song to yeah. come after <laughs> that secret, and it was really messing That happened with my to brain. me, too, because as much as I listened to on cassette, when then the earlier years... 
uh, came out, I listened to that way more. Like I said, uh, fifty million. Yeah. Times. So so I I am right there with Dave <laughs> on yeah. that, and I agree. But this this is a good segue to talk about track one. Hey, Mr. DJ, I thought you said we had a deal. deal. Track one. Uh, it's a good song. Yeah. Do you want to go first, Dave? This is one of my all-time favorite songs. I agree. I mean, this is a single. Yeah. So one thing I wrote down is that it's kind of funny that the it's kind of funny that the B-side compilation of a bunch of weird song, mostly pretty weird little songs, yeah. uh, starts with like a hit single in my estimation. Yeah. And they seem to have agree with, right. yeah, they agree with us. Cause I think there was an interview with Flansburg or something where he just said, I don't know, something like they rediscovered the song and they, they started ending shows with it. Cause it's just like so good. Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. They started putting it back into their live rotation. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, I was shocked when that happened. Now I'm kind of used to it. <laughs> remember when we saw them recently and I said, Hey, maybe they'll end with, Hey, Mr. DJ. And they did. I don't remember that. I think you're making it up. You never remember. I'm a Dave truther. That's true. Dave remembers. We've talked about this before. Dave has a crazy memory. But this happened in the last year, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) I have a really bad memory. Um, So, okay. Wow. Hey, Mr. DJ, there's a lot to talk about here. We can, on a purely musical level, like we were saying, it's just such a strong Linnell song. I almost think Linnell, like, he just can't write songs that aren't insanely melodic and catchy. Right. Uh, there's a there's a few weird ones from him on this, but it almost seems out of character because after our after we made our first album episode, Dave, uh, mm. it really did it really did reinforce that Flansburg at this time was making the the weird shit, mm-hmm. and Linnell was mostly doing like these hit singles songs for the most part. And that kind of brings us to a, a lyrical thing that is very uh, interesting in the song. Which is that Linnell's making fun of Flansburg's weird little flansies. Really? Yeah, so do you ever think about it that way? No. Well, I told you about the world that's addressed. I wonder when they're gonna clean up the mess. You know the rabbit child is still tuning in. Chesky's face is patient, must be wearing thin. Because they haven't laid the sign on the air. Not that anyone but me would care. And the district has moved out of town. The district caller says he's no one to be. So he goes, you know, I told you about the world. It's a dress. By the way, yeah. this furthers my theory that I'm pretty sure Flansburg wrote the world's address. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, the rabid child is still, still tuning, tuning in. in. Chess piece yeah. faces patience must be wearing thin. The idea here is that he's making fun of these weird. Uh, he's like saying the joke of the song is a it's kind of like rhythm section one ad in a sense yeah. where he is openly acknowledging that these are weird ass songs. And the joke is that he's confused why a dj won't play them <laughs> right right <laughs> right have you ever thought about it in that in that way i i never thought about it it's him referencing 
Flansburg song. I think he's making fun of Flansburg's mocking way. Yeah, I think he's. He, I think it's kind of a making fun of Flansburg's hmm. like contribution to the band. I mean, right, right. you know, well, we were aware that Puppet Head was a big single and all, but but a lot of those these early albums are sprinkled with with these Flansburg hmm. these weird short Flansburg songs that are very strange or maybe done in reverence to those songs too. I mean, oh no, no, I don't think he's. Well, that's why I would say he's teasing yeah, him yeah. because teasing is, I think, when you you love someone and yeah. you make fun of them. As opposed to whoever the fuck uh, like Doctor Worm is about, or right. <laughs> the other the victims of Linnell's <laughs> hate songs over the years. So I think that's the, the to me that's like the main primary interesting thing about this song. But I also don't know how much they check in with each other at this point. It's I mean it seems later on they may be doing things more uh, solitary. But I mean, I don't know if there's a conversation like, hey, uh, I'm going to cite these three songs as... Oh, I don't know know. if he told him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I wonder. I I think it's funnier if he he didn't tell him. Or maybe if, I don't know, for all we know, there could have been placeholders for those songs and Flansburg made those choices. (laughs) Who knows? Well, so it's interesting in the then, the earlier years booklet, and this is one of the more fascinating... um, Booklets of our Booklets. (laughs) Yeah. The booklets end all booklets, I I say. It's a good booklet, you know? It's a fine booklet. Okay, they say, Hey, Mr. DJ was the final evolution of a song we started writing long ago called Sleeping My Way to the Top, Mm. which we had planned to perform while lying in a pair of hammocks strung across the stage. Now, this really paints a picture of their early process. I know that they tend to talk about the band as if it like in we like in that's the yeah they yeah. say we did this we did that but i do wonder like did they collaborate on the song when they say we started writing it years ago that is interesting to me i mean it could just be their way of saying linnell because he's a member of the band but yeah yeah just just a theory people lying in hammocks on stage now dave is is that not the dream <laughs> that is the dream <laughs> yeah um that would have been great i mean that would have been very, have you ever laid in a hammock? Let's it's talk hard. About, let's talk. Yeah, it's not easy, <laughs> and it's not very relaxing because it's extremely sensitive to your movement. Yeah, right. I think most people have not gotten out of hammocks; they've fallen out of hammocks. No one, you can enter a hammock, but you can't get out. Yeah, right? it's like Thunderdome. Or I always think of the Roach Motel, but <laughs> you know, that's where, um, yeah. Is, do you think the Roach Motel thing is referencing Thunderdome? Should I play clips of all? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, hammocks are not relaxing, and I, I find the net, you know, the lying on that net is not very comfortable. Yeah, it cuts you. It's kind of like on a waterbed. It doesn't stop moving, so you're, you know, you can't just forget that you're, to me, like, when you're laying in something that won't stop moving with every little thing you do. So, so yeah, that, that would have been hard to play instruments, though, right, in a hammock. You can't do anything in a hammock except I mean, flail. You, what, are you going to have an accordion <laughs> on top of you? Guitar, guitar maybe. But even still, so so that's the, that's like that weird history. You know of that what? Song. I, I hate hammocks. <laughs> yeah, I just thought about it. Moving moving away from the the hammock discussion, um, we'll get back to it. The wiki does, you know, does seem to think that they're referencing uh, Glass Onion by the Beatles mm-hmm. by doing that. Do you? What do you think? I don't know. Were the Beatles the only ones that were ever self-referential? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it does have similar phrasing where he goes, "We told you about this." <laughs> I told you about 
It might be kind of a reference, but I've never saw it as a significant point because it's not what the song's about. Like the song mm. is about the the joke of the song is is that they're trying very hard to sell out and that they're yes. being very upfront about it. <laughs> right? Like that's what's funny. Uh the Glass Onion song uh, that's the name of the song, right? The Glass Onion mm-hmm. song by the Beatles is, is more about making fun of their fans for yeah. not knowing what their lyrics are about. Yeah. Which they might be giants could do also. And probably a little bit about their fame also. Yeah. Which, or just the all eyes on, all have. eyes on them. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I do, I'll, I'll, I'll give that it might be a, a reference in some sense, but I don't, I'm, I'm struggling to see the connection between the songs in terms of like the actual like thematic content. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, one weird thing, and this is very minute. Mm-hmm. Don't you think the hey that Flansburg is doing sounds just like the guitar? Yes. In the background, he's like, hey. <laughs> yes. It's like the same thing. It's weird. I think they recycled it. I think they're running out of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mr. DJ, I thought you said we had a deal. I thought you said you scratch my back and I'll scratch your again. And I thought you said we had a deal. I love the guitar sound in it is very interesting to me. I'm not sure how he did it. Do you know what I'm talking about? It sounds like rubber, like stretchy, like yeah, it's like maybe with a slide. I like how Linnell's voice kind of cracks. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. Oh, sure, sure. I didn't know if that was too minute to talk about, but nothing is too minute. On I, this show, I, that that <laughs> voice cracking has been sticking out to me he's for twenty years, that, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really funny because he's like, it's like think long term investment. He said to think long term investment, and then all the others have forgiven themselves. He said the net reward would justify the colossal mess they made of their lives. Right, think long term investment. Yeah, it's like he's exhausted. I mean, Linnell's not the kind of singer that really. Um, does these like emotional performances of the, the songs, but there are little moments like that where you're kind of in the, the headspace of the character. Yeah, his voice and the cracks song. on investment. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think money is a big stressor uh, for any early band. I like the, the specific detail of the district courthouse yeah. <laughs> says he's not, he's nowhere to be found. Cause that's like, you know, that's like, that's accurate, right? <laughs> it would be you. That's where you'd go. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that long fade out. Okay, so yeah, the end of the song is is super funny and interesting. It's a really long fade out. Yeah. But it's not a fade out because it it stops. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what's funny is that it sounds like it's a fade out, but then you hear the last note. Right. (laughs) And and a moment of silence. I wanted to ask you if you think that fade out was actually a conscious decision to undermine the fact that this could be played on the radio where it's saying oh uh we're we're all punk we're not gonna you're not gonna play this because here's this crazy weird part right right and it's also the whole point of radio is that things fade out quickly so you can get to the next thing uh, and this really is funny. like going on and on and on yeah, and then the, actually the dj would just be like out. what yeah. the hell do i do and here? he'd say like i can't play this yeah, it's kind <laughs> of a, a like f you to the DJ. Kind of I mean it's like the Smith song, you know, 
Panic, where he's just like... I'm not familiar. The catchy chorus of the song is Hang the DJ, because yeah. it's about Morrissey hating... That's mean. It's about him hating the radio and, yeah. you know, where he was and how they didn't... They all played crap. He says, the songs that you play say nothing to me about my life. Yeah. And it's a great song, because it, it is really catchy, <laughs> and it was played on the radio. I hear it all the time still, and it is kind of... It's sort of that same thing. Well, I do wonder that John's relationships with radio and their popularity, you know? I feel like if any radio station that's playing them, it's just sort of an automatic, like, you're our friend. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not, you have to really make a choice to play <laughs> They Might Be Giant song because right. it, it really kind of disrupts the airwaves, I feel. No, I was going to say, as far as I can tell, they've always had a positive relationship with those people. Like, I know they were a big college radio hit. In terms of this song, I don't think they really have too much um, ill will towards the radio. No, no, I mean, probably not. not I, mean, stuff I think it's kind of like what they've said about the Grammys, like before they got one, they were just <laughs> like, we're just so apart from that, that we yeah, don't yeah. really <laughs> even think about it. But then when <laughs> then they got one kind of for like a weird reason, I thought, yeah. but um, <laughs> we can talk about that some other time. The other thing is that this song about selling out and how they're such a great band that to sell out and why won't you let us sell out? It's the, it leads an album of the, maybe the weirdest songs yeah. in their entire catalog. <laughs> right. Yeah, it goes back to us talking about sequencing and how intentional everything they do is. Yeah, track one. I mean, this 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 is very intentional. What other track one for this album could there be? You know, it's not going to be. You know, I can't think of anything that would work. It's not yeah. going to be Gloria. <laughs> uh, that's an interesting uh, experiment to run. Maybe it's not my birthday, but yeah, I could see that being track one, or I could see. Uh, uh, <laughs> nothing. Like maybe don't let's start. Just be like, fuck it. Here's the here's our <laughs> Here most popular go. song yeah. or whatever. Right. So that's Hey Mr. DJ. I I, I want to say sometimes I get the sense like, oh, we didn't talk enough about this song that I love so much. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll come back. We'll come back to stuff. I think yeah. when we there's more to discover. Uh, you know, me and Dave have been going through their live shows, and there's been lots of interesting things about the the songs that we've just heard from like banter on stage and stuff that we're slowly slowly getting through. I do love in the, the lately in the live version, mm. uh, Flansburg's been yelling. I thought we had a deal over the end. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that is interesting. It's yeah. a great song for horns. Too. They, it seems like they they are approaching the live version as like we're gonna really do the song the way yeah. we should have or something like kind of like with she's actual size. Like this is the real version now. You know what I mean? I, and I think it's interesting they're putting horns in it. Yeah, yeah, it totally works. In place I mean, of, the, I guess, if that's keyboard sample. Yeah, it's it's a weirdly celebratory live song. Fade back in. But I've always, mainly what I've loved about it is just the, the humor of the situation, that it's just hilarious that they're angry that their weirdest songs aren't getting played. I radio. love humor. I would, yeah, <laughs> I would play those songs if I had a radio show. I would play Chespie's Face 24-7 on a loop. I agree. And if someone gets assassinated because of that, that's <laughs> not my fault. So next we're going to move, <laughs> we're going to move to 
Lady is a tramp. Tramp. Okay, Lady is a Tramp. So you're saying you have a lot to talk yeah, about with this. Is That's weirdly, surprising for an instrumental. Yeah, and a cover. Yeah. Uh, so, this is, this, so this song, everyone, has... Some of you will know what I'm, I'm going to talk about, but a lot of you won't. This song has a huge history behind it with They Might Be Giants. Uh, though it's there's still a few holes there that I'm not quite sure about. So Lady is a Tramp is a song... It's it was from before the movie Pal Joey, but it was prominently featured in Pal Joey and was, as far as I understand it, that's like the popular version people know. It's a Sinatra movie that I watched <laughs> like two weeks ago in preparation. Mm. Hello yourself and greetings from your pal Joey. That's me. Of course, my name's Frank Sinatra. But in my latest picture, I play pal Joey. Oh, I'm your pal Joey. Now before you see this unusual picture, I think there are a few things you should know about Joey. First of all, he lives in a world all his own. Now, in studying a case history of Joey, you must know his philosophy. You treat a dame like a lady and treat a lady like a dame. So Pal Joey is a, a, a pretty, pretty charming musical about Frank Sinatra. Yeah, I find most musicals are charming. And, uh, <laughs> and it's about he plays kind of like a, kind of a jerk loser who manipulates people. So why is he a pal? Uh, because I think that's the joke is like, that's his nickname. Ah. It's like, he's your pal, but he's just kind of, he's kind of a schlub. He kind of like worms his way into like singing at clubs. They're like, no one invited you, but he just gets on stage and starts singing. And they're like, he's the people love him. He's great. Like right? Miss Maisel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That doesn't work in real life, by the way. Don't do that. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, you'll get pepper sprayed. Um, <laughs> So pal Joey, he sings this song. There's this older woman who is interested in him and interested mm -hmm. in, in maybe starting a club with him. And he kind of sings this song to her. And I was a little unclear on the, you know, cause things that are older have different contexts. So I was like, he sings this song and at first she seems like insulted, like why I never, but then she's like laughing and I'm like, okay, so. I think he's like, it's sort of like we were saying about teasing. I think he's teasing mm -hmm. her and singing like a kind of a non-romantic song to her. Am I too late? You never. Joey, sing a song for the lady. What would the lady like to hear me sing? Tell him to surprise me. Joey, surprise the lady. I'll surprise the lady. <laughs> She gets too hungry for dinner at eight. She likes the theater, never comes late. She'd never bother with people she'd hate. That's why the lady is a tramp. And then she starts to come around and find the song delightful. Yeah. And that's because the, so the meaning of Lady is a Tramp, which took me kind of a while to, to look up and figure out, because, uh, you know, tramp sounds very 
it's a little harsh. So, like, could have a couple different negative connotations. Yeah, and you can kind of see Sinatra being like, "You filthy tramp." Yeah. <laughs> it's act. It's just sort of saying it's like a you're a it's like a low class kind of person because in the yeah. the lyrics saying she doesn't show up to dinner on time. She, the idea is that it does sound like someone's being mean at first in the lyrics because you're saying all these kind of things about this woman who seems like i don't know careless or lazy or whatever but then it, the as the song continues it's more like you're admiring that she kind of marches to the beat of her mm-hmm. own drum so that's kind of the, the thrust of that song i'm sorry should i not have said that dave oh, i love that word yeah dave just got turned on great uh, um <laughs> so what you all know that they might be giants version which is which is kind of the like sugar rush weird mm-hmm. hyper version of this song which is very funny to me um but it's like did it did it did it did it but in reality, it's just like, she gets too hungry. For, do you like my Sinatra impression? It's dead on. For dinner at eight. So anyway, he sings a song to this woman. She seems insulted, but then she's laughing. And then they they want to start this club together. But there's a love triangle that I actually found very effective and very weirdly sad. And But uh, well, uh, we'll get into that. So why did They Might Be Giants cover this? So apparently, Flansburg was fairly obsessed with the movie Pal Joey in the 80s. Okay. Now, our... our our email buddy Bill Kraus talked about this in an interview. I think uh, that's on the wiki, but he talked about, you know, Flansburg watched the movie over and over. And then in their live shows in the 80s, for only a few shows, they did a Pal Joey segment. <laughs> so huh. so this is John and John with the, just to paint a picture, it's John and John with the tape machine. You know, they're not huge yet, but they're playing to kind of small New York City clubs. This is maybe 87, 88. And, uh, they're go. They're gonna go. Okay, now it's time for the Pal Joey segment. <laughs> well, there, there comes a time in every rock and roll show where the band has to assess, think about their lives, and play versions of hits from the. <laughs> hit versions of the hit covers from the hit musical Pal Joey. <laughs> What's weird is that as far as the the bootlegs that I have, Lady is a Tramp is not part of that. <laughs> they don't say, here's the Pal Joey segment and then play Lady is a Tramp. Mm-hmm. They play three other songs <laughs> from Pal Joey. Hmm. So yeah, Dave, Dave has a very quizzical look on his face, but I'm going to... It could just be hunger. I'm going <laughs> to make this all make sense. This is my favorite part of the show. Yeah, <laughs> when I'm explaining something and Dave doesn't... And Dave, no, I was being genuine. When I get it is my favorite part. Not oh, being sure. confused. Sure. <laughs> so the songs that that they would do as part of the Pal Joey segment were I Could Write a Book, mm-hmm. My Funny Valentine, and okay, Bewitched. I know that one. Yeah. And Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. The thing about these covers, and Lady as a Tramp is included, is that the way that they arrange them is that you almost, they're almost unrecognizable. Because mm-hmm. after me and my girlfriend watched Pal Joey, I played her their 80s covers of the songs and she didn't know what what, what they were so i'll play some for dave yeah, now. yeah please okay so i'm gonna play it for dave so one of the songs is i could write a book and what okay so what what excites me about this and i know i'm not talking about laser tramp specifically yet but we're gonna get, we're gonna get to that these are like rare 80s they might be giant songs that aren't on albums almost yeah. i mean these because they're covers but they're so originally arranged and they really have that 80s tmbg spark 
that I think these are like amazing MP3s that I have. So I'm, I'm excited to share them with, with you guys. So I could write a book. I'll play the original song and then I will play the version that they would do live. If they ask me, I could write a book about the way you walk and whisper and look. I could write a preface on how we met so the world would never forget. We're only human up here, right? Okay. We gotta do the song right. Playing this clip, by the way, uh, the audience knows about this. <laughs> what, do, what do you think of that? Like, this, people in the audience yell out, pal Joey, like they've done this a lot. Could be some friends that follow them, some loyal supporters. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe. So you hear what I mean? It's got the whole drum machine thing. Like, these would feel at home on, like, then the earlier years right. bonus tracks. You know what I mean? I almost yeah. wish they did that. Because somewhere there's, like, a perfect recording of at least their, arra their backup arrangement. Same sound as on uh, Al Sink Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I call that sound the coughing basset hound. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's like that is what I like about it is that you've got that 80s TMBG spirit and they're they're fully arranged songs and and they're very interesting to me and and what's funny is comparing them to the originals the originals you know they have like a swing to them yeah, yeah. they're sinatra songs there are a couple maybe other characters sing it it's like they hammered away at the the flow of it to make it as like kind of robotic and yeah. quirky i hate, kind of hate that word but uh <laughs> you know what i mean uh kind well, of like we've talked about this before where they kind of strip away all if there's a reference they kind of strip away a lot of what the reference is very intentionally mm -hmm. um, to distort it through their own lens. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll go to the next one, which is My Funny Valentine, which is, to me, also very interesting. Now, there is a show where Bill Krauss mentioned that they also did a, uh, the song from Pal Joey called There's a Small Hotel which I don't have a recording of. So, so we're at five Pal Joey songs. Huh. There's Ladies a Tramp, which is not part of the bootlegs I have. And then there's, there's a small hotel, which is not part of the bootlegs. But then there's the one we just heard, I Could Write a Book, and then My Funny Valentine, which I'll play you because I really like this version of it. My funny valentine Sweet comic valentine You make me smile with my heart Your looks are laughable Unphotographable Yet 
You're my favorite work of art. This next song, made popular by Francis Albert Sinatra, arranged by Charles Manson. This song uh, is called My Funny Valentine. It's the Hey Mr. DJ sound, isn't it? Yeah. So Linnell's got like the sax. So this is like unrecognizable compared to the I played this version. For, for Kristen and I was like, do you know what song this is that we just saw? And she's like, nope. <laughs> it's almost veers to, to being an original song, but it's not because it is, it is the melody, but it's so different. That's what I mean. And, and Lady is a Tramp is the same way too, because it is almost to a point where you could have been fully aware of the song Ladies of Tramp mm. and heard They Might Be Giants version. Maybe let's say you didn't see the title and you could not know. Um, and then I'll play you Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, which was a, I, one of my favorite moments in the movie, actually. Because it because the, the older woman who falls for Frank Sinatra, mm. and she's kind of the villain because she keeps threatening to close down this club that he is his whole life. And she's kind of the bad person, but she sings this song about falling in love with him. She sings a song by herself, mm. Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered about how she's the three B's the three B's the three B's in, a, in apartment the 17 B <laughs> you know it makes you feel bad for her because she's saying how she's she can't even understand why she feels this way and she's all they might be giants did a very bizarre cover at these live shows where they only sang the one part of the song that says I'm wild again beguiled again a simpering whimpering child again mm. bewitched bothered and bewildered am I so that's all they would sing. The song has more yeah. lyrics, but They Might Be Giants version, which I actually for a, kind of knew very well because I had it on an old cassette tape of covers that they did called Stump Box. Do you know about this? I, uh, I know the name. I don't think Yeah, heard. so I think it was my friend Sarah who I've talked about, but she sent me a cassette called Stump hey, Box. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> it's called Stump Box, and uh, it, had a, it was a compilation of any time they did a cover and, it, it, you know, ranging in quality, but this was on it. He's a fool, and don't I know it. But a fool can have his charms. I'm in love, and don't I show it. Like a babe in arms. Men are not a new sensation. I've done pretty well, I think, but this half-pint imitation put me on the blame. I'm wild again, beguiled again, a simpering, whimpering child again. Bothered and bewildered, am I? 
Al Choey, Bewitch. This one's gonna be great. And it's kind of a funny way to do it because it makes you really think about the, mm -hmm. those few lyrics. Like, I'm a simpering, whimpering child again. Yeah. Uh, I always thought those were, like, perfect. They might be Giants lyrics yeah, in a yeah. way. It almost kind of reminded me of, like, the Walt Kelly covers they did. Interesting language. But in the movie, it kind of goes past you, and then she sings about being in love. And it's, it's a different. It's very different. <laughs> Flansburg does like an awesome guitar solo, which is like, this is like the bridge in the song, but it's again, you can't even tell. <laughs> so it's the same verse over and over with a crazy blazing guitar solo. I almost wish they put out an album or an EP, right? That would have been really mm. cool. So what's the only thing for Lady is a Tramp is there's a few shows back then where that was like their walk-on music right. on stage, yeah. but I don't have it in context of this Pal Joey segment. So, so, that's, so that's that whole thing. Some of the songs were taken from the movie Babe or the musical Babes in Arms, which I've also seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told Dave all about this. It's a... Uh, it's an interesting musical. It's very um, racially Does ins not age insensitive. Well. Um, kind of was a bummer halfway through. Like we were enjoying it, and you know how that goes. But uh, those songs are apparently originated with that musical, but, but they're not in the movie that we saw based on the musical. So, um, Dave, is there anything you want to talk about the music? Because I've been talking so much. I remember you talking about the bass getting louder. Yeah. In each verse to a scary Really volume. scary. And what's funny is I didn't... What do you think the deal with that is? I don't know. What's weird is I didn't notice it for years, right? Mm. I mean, maybe it's because I'm listening on like a Walkman with crappy headphones. Right, right. Most likely that's it. I think I remember when then the earlier years came out and I finally heard it in CD quality. There was one day where I was like, holy crap, the bass just yeah. keeps pounding away until it's way too loud. Yeah, way so for those who don't know or, or didn't realize it, um, the bass very ominously gets louder and louder in the verses. And it's like for, one note. <laughs> for one note. So, like, imagine knocking on a door louder and louder. Yeah. Um, for no real apparent reason except to unsettle the listener. Yeah, I was trying to find any connection maybe with the lyrics to Lady is a Tramp, but I, I don't quite see it. Um, I don't like what Bill Krause said in that interview is he said Flansburg, uh, he had a thing about, quote, what it means to be Sinatra. Hmm. And I, I don't know what that means. I mean, I guess it just means what we could imagine it means, which is he's he's just as an interesting person, I guess, charismatic. and Someone that can do whatever the hell kind they of want. A little scary though. I right. mean, yeah, he can, <laughs> exactly. Though it, in the movie, I will say, I mean, he's quite likable. He's kind of like a likable loser, you mm -hmm. know, who's kind of uh, an asshole, but 
but you at you ultimately like root for him, you know, as it goes. Like he'll walk around in the room and just kind of make fun of everyone that he meets. Hey, dummy. Yeah, kind of <laughs> like that. But like, like he goes up to the t- a ticket person somewhere and just s- makes a wisecrack at them. It's hey, like, you go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, you didn't have to do that. But but at the same time, there there's something. You know, there's something sweet about him in the movie. <laughs> Ring a ding ding, go fuck yourself. Exactly. That's my uh, Sinatra. So yeah, I love how the the bass gets louder. The horns are super exuberant and fake sounding. They're even more fake than you could think would be possible. And I guess it does have lyrics, which is Flansburg is saying, yeah. Yeah. Although for program drums, that fill in the middle is pretty complicated. Let's talk about the fill. Yeah, th- this song to me is is really um, emblematic of of the stuff we've talked about with the fakeness of the drum machine, yeah. making people ultra aware of the fakeness, and I think making people ultra aware of of the fakeness in a cover song is even more interesting, right? Because you're really directing people to think about the tune in a new way, right? Or the the, the original song in a new way. They did this with 1999. The you know the Prince song and that to yeah. me is is right along that mindset. So the idea of They Might Be Giants doing these covers that are super frantic and super, um, like, it's almost like they're the, te- I don't know if it's almost a tempo thing or the drum arrangement, but it's like, just kind of like tripping over itself almost to like how fast it's going and how like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, the, that drum fill is completely insane. It kind of reminds me, there's a Magnetic Field song that has a drum fill kind of like that, where the it starts is going it a like, real drummer? No, it's fake drums and, yeah. and it gets so fast that it turns into just like the sound of electronics going like, <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. Um, so it always kind of reminds me of that. And then there's a little sample, the wheel. What, yeah, what do you yeah. think about that? I mean, it almost kind of reminds me of like how we talked about like the animatronic Lincoln yeah, stuff. Yeah. It, it's like it's like an animatronic lady is a tramp. It's like fake and kind of awkward, you know, and yeah. like clearly not the real thing, but it evokes the real thing in a way, which is I think is really important for the band. Is that a uh, well sample a woman's voice? I have a small is that the anecdote tramp about this or the lady? <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe that's her. I have a little uh, sad anecdote about that little sample, Dave. Do you believe it? No. This is the Lady is a Tramp special today on yeah. Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. In summer camp, I was I was inducting all of my summer camp friends into the cult of They Might Be Giants. And uh, I had this friend, Mike, that I was like really aggressively getting him into them. And part of the way I was doing that, it sounds very insidious, I really... Yeah. <laughs> Part of the way I was doing that was I, was I was playing him a lot of Miscellaneous Tea and I was talking about their like hidden messages and <laughs> secret things on the songs. Like like we'll talk about the beginning of I'll Sink Manhattan and other stuff like that. Right. And one day he ran up to me really excited to say, I heard a secret thing in, in Lady is a Tramp. 
And he's like, it's like a cat or something, like a yeah, meow, yeah. like a meow. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was a little asshole. And <laughs> well, now I'm a big asshole. Um, oh. And uh, I he it's, that's darling. He put his headphones on me, and I heard the thing, and I go, yeah, I know about that. I knew that was. <laughs> I guess Dave knows me. Um, I can just see that reaction. I got really well. I was like 13, so I got really like indignant about. <laughs> I already knew that. Well, it certainly won't get you any friends. No, well, that's why I have one friend, and it's you. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that's not true. I just remember it's like a it's like a cringy memory for yeah, me because yeah. I was I was so mean to him about it, and he was so excited. He was like trying to be my TMBG buddy. Well, what did you learn from that? I learned to just not say the things that pop into my. <laughs> yeah, I think don't say seventy five percent of what I'm thinking. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Actually, that probably goes for most people. Well, you know, Jordan, life's a journey, not a destination. So it's okay to make mistakes when you're 13. The, the mistakes that you still think about to this day, these small <laughs> moments that no one would remember except you because you felt guilty for years and years. <laughs> um, so, so Lady is a Tramp, I feel like we've covered Lady is a Tramp, right? Um, I'd say so. Yeah, Pal Joey is a fun musical. I quite liked it. Um, I'll never see it. Uh, I actually, Dave, I thought of inviting you to watch it because of the podcast. Uh-huh. And I was about to text you. This is a true story. I believe it. I was about to text Dave and I thought, he's not going to want to watch a musical. I don't like musicals very often. Or Dave, Dave just likes Michael Bay movies. That's, that's really, it's kind of like the Metallica of movies. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Totally. Um, no, I just think you got something to say, just say it. Yeah. Don't sing it. I don't like, spray it. <laughs> I like music. <laughs> yeah. Dave does like music. Well, even in like Disney movies and stuff where they're like a song starting. I mean, a lot of the time they're garbage. But Coco is fantastic. Coco is one movie where the music, the songs in the movie were actually as good as the movie. Mm. The songs in Coco are amazing. So look, if every I'm musical sure had that. incredibly good songs, oh, come on, Jordan. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to really, I don't, can't remember a single one of them, but. We listened to the soundtrack after. I mean, that's how much I liked it. Wow. I would never listen to a soundtrack of a musical without the movie. Well, look, the Pal Joey songs are, are very interesting and melodic and, and they're good songs. They're mm. good songs. There's one that was really funny. Uh, I don't remember it, but there was one that one thing I actually wanted to talk about this before moving on really quickly. The wit in the lyrics mm-hmm. is just not done anymore. Like not to sound like in an old man, or in songs? like in musicals. Yeah. Well, okay. In songs as a whole, hell yeah. Right. There's no wit in anything. I mean, I've talked about that, that Smith song about hang the DJ, like, mm-hmm just having a fuck, uh, a witty thing to say in a lyric and either people think you're a joke band or they just ignore it or whatever. But I don't even think anyone tries anymore except the nerdy bands that we're into uh, or I'm into, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was a really funny song that, that a woman sang and, uh, and it was just, I was just thinking while watching it, like what the hell happened to just that sense of kind of sarcasm and wit and funny yeah. quality to like, when you see a musical now, the songs are either sappy as hell. Yeah. yeah. That's why I don't like them. Or it is kind of a joke song, but they're not very funny. Like having that blend of, of wit and intelligence. Not only will I give him a raise, I'll buy him a bicycle. Champagne for everybody. So, Anywho. let's move on to track three. We're eight hours in. Let's move on to track three. Birds fly. Birds fly into my windshield. Thoughts fall from my thumbs. The 
This good luck charm hanging off of my arm Was left here by the police no, Words no, fall no, out from my pockets no, The cat stands no, under my feet This no, colorful spell no, under which I live Protects me from all Birds I fly. Have. I'll say right off the bat, yeah. not a lot about this song in terms of anything mm-hmm. they've ever said about it and anything at all about it. A little bit of a mystery. This was a little bit of a tough one to prepare for. Um, I'll just start by saying it. it's still one of my favorites. They might be gi- a lot of the songs on this are my favorite. They might be giant songs. Yeah. What are, what do you think of this song? Have we ever talked about it? Not much. Um, one thing I wanted to say was how stripped down it sounds, mm-hmm. um, which goes back to the whole, which you talked about Joshua Freed, the apartment feel. Yeah, it, it does have an apartment feel. And I even found a clip, which I will play, of They Might Be Giants um, talking about one of these EPs. And they say, we made it at home. Right. So, boom. There you go. You're validated. Yeah. <laughs> well, this song, uh, let's see. What about this song? It's, it's going to be on an EP that will be out really soon. That we just made at home. It'll be out in January. That's a little ways from now. We do have a record that came out about two weeks ago. If you're tired of that, there's really very little we can do. Um, we're just doing our best up here, trying to prove it all night. So it's very, it's consistent with the feel of the album, which, as I was listening to prepare, a lot of the songs have a stripped down feel. Yeah, really stripped down. Um, which is cool. It, it has they that almost don't to exist. It. Yeah. You know, like the Kiss Me Son of God alternate version, for example. Very consistent with the the album. But one thing I was looking at, I never studied the lyrics very Really? Closely. I'm obsessed with these um, lyrics. Some of them I did, and then others not as much. So what what is your take okay. on the lyrics? I, I'll get to the lyrics. Just for some context, because I had wanted to do this. It's apparently on, it was on the Purple Toupee EP, mm-hmm. which it doesn't exist. <laughs> what do you it's confusing. Mean? The, then the earlier book said the Purple Toupee EP never came out, but they had oh, recorded, they had recorded songs for it around the same time as Flood in 1989. So it's mm-hmm. still the 80s, uh, but we're, we're in Flood territory, which is kind of s- s- jarring. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I didn't mean to do that to you guys. That's going to be a So long they show. say recorded virtually simultaneously with their third album, Flood, Purple Toupee EP was not to be released commercially, but was later part of Miscellaneous Tea. So these weren't really B-sides. So that's these three songs we talked about. Hey, Mr. DJ, Lady is a Tramp, and Birds Fly were all together. We're all like made together for this thing that didn't come out. It's kind of weird. Um, so just to give context. Yeah. Put it out. Um, so Birds Fly, the lyrics, this is... Uh, not to interpret the songs. This is an escaped convict, right? He's dr- I, yes. driving away from. He's, he's that escaping. much. I think is the, pretty clear. Yes. Yes. Uh, there, there, but there are some curious lyrics that yeah. I wanted to talk to yeah. you about. So the first, the first, like, yeah. <laughs> the first clue, you know, he says the good luck charm hanging yeah. off my arm Which was left about. here by the police. Yeah, In and, and that, In our darkest hours. That was. That was an early. You know, when you're first getting into them, that was an early lyrical moment where I'm like, I figured out what he's yeah. saying, <laughs> which now I guess seems silly, but you, you never know. There might be people who never thought about it. Um, but, it, you know, the idea that handcuffs are hanging Could be off. a literal good luck charm. Yeah. Maybe you had a lucky rabbit's foot. Yeah. But uh, I think that it's probably handcuffs. You're and probably right. Birds are flying into his windshield. I think that denotes how fast he's yes, getting away. I agree. But what, else, what did you want to talk about with these lines? I never really paid attention to the, the verse after that. Words falling out from my pocket. The cats dance under my feet. 
Yeah. Colorful spell. And Under which I live pro- protects me from all I write. Yes, protects me. From- yeah, I have a lot. I have some thoughts about that. What so you- look, maybe it's a stretch. <laughs> maybe just because we're doing this podcast for a while now, my brain is here. Mm. I think this, this motherfucker is doing some witchcraft. Really? Do- I think he's doing some voodoo. Charms and spells. Yeah. Oh my God. I never thought about that. Yeah. Okay. What do you think of that? Well, give me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Um, he's a witch. Is that what you're saying? You're saying this song is about a man who's a witch, who's escaping the police. Possibly. Just Holy because... Shit. Yeah, well, I mean, there's the obvious mention of a spell, which... Sure. Um, which is the obvious one, but the words... <laughs> obvious. <laughs> possibly, right? Yeah, I mean, I have a different idea about that. But yeah. Um, yeah, the words falling out of his pocket, so like some yeah. kind of magic incantation. Oh, you think uh, it's literally pr- yeah, yeah, printed yeah. words? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, protects me from all I write. Oh, cats, like a black cat. Yes. Holy. Exactly. The, the cat oh, thing, I was kind of like, when I really examined it, because I have to keep up with you. And, and the, <laughs> no, and I'm the impressed. Right in. I'm impressed. Because <laughs> why the mention of the cat? Unless it's me and a cat underfoot while driving away fast through alleyways, possibly. Mm. But I just think those four clues all in a row, I don't know. It's a little suspicious. That's interesting. Wow. Okay. So my idea about this song, though I really like this. Dave's Dave's pulling his weight. Thank um, you. Finally. You know, it, I kind of thought about it as like when we talked about Alienations for the Rich, like his the artsiness and being an artist and how you kind of, um, I don't know, it affects like how you see the world and you're maybe makes you more cynical or mm-hmm. maybe more detached from things, right? And him saying like the colorful spell under which I live protects me from all I write. Mm-hmm. It's like saying like, you can't judge my writing because... I'm an artist, sure. right? Does yeah, that make yeah. any, yeah. Well, as usual, you think more metaphorically, I think more literally. Yeah, well, I think their songs often. I'm like, no, that's a fucking spell. <laughs> <laughs> there's teeth in the sky and there's spells in yeah. this guy's pocket. <laughs> their songs often work on those, on both levels. Uh, and, you know, there's like a surface story, which is yeah. this person escaping the police. And then there's the why write the song aspect, right. which yeah. is like, why even, why are we hearing this? Like, what's the, what's the weight there? Uh, and not that to say it has to have that. I mean, that's what we're talking about with songs are all... It just it, seems to be what they like to do. Yeah, I think so. And I, the things they say in interviews about their songwriting sometimes baffle me. Well, they very much write off a lot of stuff and dismiss a lot of stuff. Yeah, oddly. they go, oh, our songs are not autobiographical. When we know they're for a fact, they're, they're songs that they've said, oh, this is about this thing from... My, like, we know that there are songs I that I think are, they have a lot of false modesty... Yeah, and they say, oh, our songs are, this isn't about anything, but it's like, I don't, I don't know. Or it's all subconscious, as we talked about. Yeah, like I've, like me and Dave have had, you know, a lot of experiences making stuff that we weren't consciously aiming for something, but then it turns out, I mean, I made a, I made a video once in one of my film classes that I thought was silly, and then the class, st- this yeah, is on YouTube, yeah, this is on YouTube, but the, the, my class started to interpret it almost in the way that we're interpreting They Might Be Giant songs. And they started to interpret all these different images and things. Yeah. And I, I just sat there kind of blown away. And I was like, they're freaking right. They're right. This is about, this is about this weird, I had a lot of appearances of masks in this thing and people acting really fake. And, mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah, it's like, he's uncomfortable dealing with real people. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. It was kind of interesting. Um, so I, I think it's all there, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. So, so I would say forever, I think this, there might be some self-deprecation in this song about when he says the microscope reveals the scope of my very best intentions. 
And the microscope reveals the scope of my very best intentions. Oh yes, the tiny light shines twice as bright on the only last part of me. So the idea that you can only see his best intentions with a tiny with right, a microscope, they're, a sliver, they're so yeah. small. I've never thought about this, by the way, until like this week. I just want to say yeah, that. Yeah, me too. Um, that, this actually made me like this song so much more. I've, I liked yeah. it. I liked it already, but I'm like, these are really good lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've always thought it was great. So something fascinating to me is this just so not a part of anything they ever, yeah. they don't play it live ever on TMBW. It says that they played it at their first show. I don't mm. know where that information is from, uh, but they did. They all it says in the then the earlier's booklet is that it's one of their oldest songs, mm. and that's really it. And they played it on the Franco Tool Show, right. and, and that gives us a glimpse of what those early live performances was like. Chill. I cast this under my feet This good luck charm hanging off of my arm Was left here by the police And the microscope reveals the scope Of my very best intentions Oh yes, the tiny light shines twice as bright On the only nice part of me The other thing I thought, this song kind of is Sinatra-y to me. Yeah, I like it, it sounds like a Pal Joey song in a weird way because it's like this kind of charming uh, bad guy. Well, he seems like a rapscallion. You yeah, know. and it's like even that line, like the colorful spell yeah. under which I live. I can see Sinatra covering this and it being like perfect, right? Can't you? To go to reverse yeah. how things were a moment <laughs> ago. I could really see a loungy... Yeah, like yeah, definitely. nightclub cover of this song and it would be well, even the really way describe, oh, this good luck jump hanging off the mile <laughs> yeah, exactly this song feels like it exists in that, in, in that mode but the arrangement is like super like you said it's super stripped down it's really up front that guitar that's an interesting riff it's like a seventh chord you ever i actually learned how to play it it's like a weird it's like two fingers, and it makes a weird seventh chord. That That's he, why I play he's the He's kind of going up and down on the frets with the seventh chord. Now, we try not to get too technical here, mostly because we're not very technical people. But I'm that, not. I just know I play a loud thing. And then I've never been sure if we're hearing samples of their voice or if that's like a, them going like... Wah, wah, mm-hmm. Or if that's just something they just recorded straight into the mic and that's the song. You know what I mean? I don't. Sounds like it was straight into the mic. Straight into the mic. To my ears. If they're going no, 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 which reminds me of the nose in I'll Sing Manhattan, you know, Uh, which I, which I know. two footsteps. Yeah. But so like the I'll Sing Manhattan nose are samples. Mm-hmm. But these, you you think maybe they're just singing the word no, and it's not. They're not like adjusting it by playing it as a sample on a keyboard, right? I don't know. I love that kind of woodblock sound too. That's used for percussion. Yeah, the percussion's really interesting. Um, it sounds like a real woodblock percussive instrument to me, but who knows? And the microscope reveals the scope of my very best intentions. Oh, yes, the tiny light shines twice as bright on the only last part of me. 
There's like crazy high harmony in there too. And I also love the at the end of the the harmonies are kind of drunk sounding. Yeah. They're a little sloppy, which again is something that would be very intentional to do because it's and that's why it gives me that loungy feel. It feels like they're it's like they're the people behind the singer who are kind of not <laughs> not on board completely. <laughs> maybe because he you know maybe ran off in his them. car. And yeah, maybe he like. Slept with their wives, cast you know, a spell. drove away, and cast a spell. <laughs> Do you guys? I wonder. Email us. I like how you said that. Like don't, someone would answer. Yeah, don't let's start podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. Do you think this is about a witch? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I don't particularly need to know, but we'll take a little break here to say, <laughs> yeah, fo- email us if you want to say anything about the show. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm... and our Twitter, don't let's pod is our Twitter yes. and follow us. Cause we, we post a lot of stuff relating to the episodes all every week, but I don't, I make sure Dave not to over post. Good. I try to do like one, a, one a day or one every two it's days. Hard. And be sure to check us out on iTunes. And please, if you have a minute, rate and review, cause I think those things are important. I don't know why or how. So yeah, that's our Twitter. Um, and then, so birds fly. I also think it's funny. Um, it's like the title of the song is birds fly. And it's, it's like, it seems like you're about to get a majestic song, right. About like being free or whatever. I know there is, there's, I think there's other songs called birds fly, uh, that are what you'd expect. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then the, it starts instantly smashed. Yeah. They're instantly smashed into the windshield. Um, so I, that's, that's like a great, uh, (laughs) that's kind of like a good pulling the rug out from under you moment from them. And yeah, I mean, it's weird to say it really is one of my favorite songs of theirs. It's so simple and stripped down, but at the same time, it's just like, who else would have made this thing? Like, it's such a weird thing. (laughs) It's deceptively simple. Yeah. And it's, it's just a strange arrangement all overall. And with, you've got the lyrics and it's, it's such a unique song. I mean, this album is kind of full of that, but, but I've always loved birds fly and I hope maybe one day they'll bring it back or talk about it or something. That would be a question I would have for them Yeah, is I would just want them to say anything about this song because it's so interesting. So track four is the world's address. Joshua. What's this one about? Joshua Freed remix. Um, we want to direct you to part one of our Joshua Freed interview. We talk about the song for like almost yes. like a solid hour and we really... Pretty specifically. Yeah, we really go through every little section in it. I'm extremely proud of all the information we extracted from him about that song. So please listen to that. But Dave, did you have any thoughts about the song apart from all that? Yeah, I just want to say one thing about the song where mm-hmm. um, some of the remix choices are kind of uh, scary. Like the, uh, <laughs> I always thought the someone in the club tonight is slow my ideas was very sinister. Yeah. And it has like this echoey, weird yeah. quality to it. it. It is, it's a strange moment in the remix. <laughs> I've always, I've always really enjoyed it, but I get what you mean. It is, it's a little off putting. Yeah. It's like someone walking around kind of, uh, talking to themselves, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a lost. Yeah. And I, I guess I would just reiterate that I, I did used to just see this as a real track on on the thing and i don't have much left to say about it after that interview so you know we're doing something a little rare which is we're like skipping mostly skipping a song uh, but there's so much about it in that interview that i don't feel bad about it all i'll say is it's really like the first time i the concept of a remix really like i you know like Mm. when i was younger i didn't really i can't i can't think of an earlier time 
where I was like, oh, a different version of the song. And, you know, where you think about, oh, a song is made in a recording studio with different tracks. And like you could take things from one track and put them in a different thing. I mean, it really was the first time I was exposed to that. Um, I just I honestly didn't listen to a lot of music until they might be giants. Yeah, I can't think of the first time I uh thought of the idea of a mix or a remix yeah like that's what i mean yeah like the idea that you I could mix a song like anything. oh you can do a different version with the piano is louder or this is or yeah. that is louder so it is interesting but i i think we should just move on try to squeeze squeeze one another song in and that would be track five nightgown of the sullen moon Fell on the door, and you fell on the floor With your hand on the knob, looking up and abruptly Forget what you're thinking, fire alarms go up in your head You live in the nightgown of the sullen moon Out the windows lean into the room In the nightgown of the sullen moon So Jordan, this is one of your favorite yeah, songs. Yeah, I think that's that's fairly obvious from knowing me. Uh, th- yeah, Nightgown of the Sullen Moon is, is a is as good example as any as... Like, this is a B side. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like, this is, I would put this possibly in my top five. I was going to ask you that. Sure. Yeah. We don't do a lot of the rankings here, which I, I'm sure people would like because we've gotten a few emails being like, what would be your top? It's just yeah, yeah. like, I don't know if I'm always thinking of it in those terms, but I, Nightgown of the Sullen Moon, I would say, is one of Linnell's greatest achievements as a songwriter yeah i find it to be one of their most moving songs it's kind of have the emotional quality to the the tune right like it's not just kind of like like hey mr dj is like not emotional sounding but it's super melodic and fun nightgown of the sullen moon uh is super melodic and fun but there's something about the way it sounds that puts me kind of rare for they might be giants but it like puts me in a space puts me in like a little pocket of of a certain feeling do you think that's because of the um i don't know kid quality to it the kid quality well dave the childhood quality dave i want you to close your eyes no i'm serious close your eyes seriously i have something to show you oh this always goes bad okay okay now take off your okay just close (laughs) close your eyes and open it them i mean oh god jeez (laughs) oh awesome why don't you tell the people what i'm holding in front of you a gun a big, juicy <laughs> children's book. <laughs> I'm looking at a copy of The Nightgown of the Sullen Moon. And that's a sullen moon. This is, that's funny. This, you that's know, a cranky moon. <laughs> I've seen a lot of sullen moons in my day, but this is a sullen moon. So let's talk a bit about the background. Um, this is kind of a strange reference point because it was not intentional. Yeah, so yeah. there is a children's book that I'm holding by Nancy Willard called The Nightgown of the Sullen Moon, illustrated by David McPhail. That's a bad last name. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounds like a that pseudonym was, I made up for yeah, myself. That was my nickname in uh, college. Uh, David McPhail illustrated quite beautifully i think uh nightgown of the soul moon now what happened according to the earlier years notes and i think they've maybe said it once other one other time they saw a child's drawing mm-hmm. perhaps a friends of theirs kid yeah. wrote the words nightgown of the soul moon on their drawing yeah. and they were like a kid thought of this <laughs> what so linnell um similar to the lucy in the sky with diamonds right, right. origin Um, which I think informs the song, by the way. Linnell named the song after this kid's drawing, which said Nightgown of the Sullen Moon. And what he didn't realize was that the kid was just drawing 
It was like a book report. <laughs> yeah, like the kid was just drawing the book that they had read. Um, um, I don't think the kid was intentionally trying to fuck them fuck, over. <laughs> yeah, I think the kid probably is just like, this is a drawing, mommy, or whatever. Um, that's what kids sound like, right? Yeah, I think so. I know that's what I sounded like a few years ago. So here's, you know, here's the thing. It's not like John Linnell is referencing this book. Um, yeah. but, but we're going to, this is actually going to come up later in something I'll surprise you with Dave, but, um, well, after that first surprise, I don't know, but I still think the book is like kind of a relevant piece of, they might be giants, like mm-hmm. a lore, you know, because just seeing it like fills me with feelings, like just seeing the nightgown of the solid moon, so I'll post pictures to the Twitter, but just seeing it like makes me feel like. I'm one step closer to the song. Does, yeah, that, sure. does that make sense? I've said, does that make sense a lot in this episode? I think I feel like I'm not making sense. <laughs> so that's that. I want to briefly talk about the story in the book, <laughs> which really feels TMBG-ish to me. But we are pretty sure that nothing was drawn directly from it. I don't think, yeah. Both, so there is a possible chance, maybe this kid's drawing was emulating something from the book. Right. So there is a chance that indirectly, Linnell is referencing something from the mm. book without realizing that it was about the book. Like maybe this kid drew, but it's basically about this, this night, this moon, <laughs> this is moon character, Dave. Ring a ding ding. I'm the moon. This moon sees a nightgown and the moon is like, I'm just going to kind of go through this. I feel like I'm seven. <laughs> yeah. So, so Dave's, you should see Dave right now. He's tucked in, in, in my bed. <laughs> this is in my bedroom where we record. So Dave is tucked in. And I've got this book in front of me. The first line is, the nightgown started it all. It's kind of like a film noir. (laughs) (laughs) The nightgown started it all. Um, So the nightgown started it all. It belonged to a a little girl who was was hanging it on the clothesline. You don't see people do that much anymore. You know, Dave? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I thought you'd have more to say about that. About clotheslines? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry to disappoint. It's all all iPhones this and (laughs) iPads that. There's a clothesline in my building in the laundry room the moon says a, a kind is that of a, something <laughs> that is interesting the moon says kind of a, a creepy thing here the moon looks at this nightgown that's hanging on the clothesline and says women have danced for me <laughs> what the- <laughs> men have worshipped me poets have oh, praised yeah poets have praised me no one has ever given me what i really want and what do you think the, this is a sullen moon by the way yeah what this moon really wants is a nightgown, a nightgown. it wants a nightgown it's a weird story yeah. So, and he's, he's having the, the moon is having this conversation with the sun, by the way. Mm-hmm. So naturally now, <laughs> so then the moon walks, takes a little, <laughs> which I could take. I wish this part was video to be honest, <laughs> but it would be very difficult to do that someday, someday, maybe if we have like a, a corporation. <laughs> yeah. So the moon starts going through this town mm-hmm. looking for a nightgown. It passes a, a cemetery Hmm. I'm going to post this picture because this is so TMEG-ish. Yeah. The moon passes by a church that has a cemetery. I'm just like, eh, all right. <laughs> passes by through the town, goes to a clothing store, uh-huh. looks, tries a bunch of nightgowns on. This book would have terrified me as a kid, by the way. No, me too. I was thinking that because a lot of things that were not intentionally meant to be scary deeply unsettled me as a kid. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, so this would have done it because the moon has this kind of almost like, like a it. blank face. So the I mo- really don't like this book. <laughs> so we've got this little makeover montage of, of the yeah. moon trying these different nightgowns. One has little animals on it. One has uh, flowers. So the person that's running the nightgown store, what, what's going through their head? I think it's, you know, retail. It's just another day. <laughs> just like, hey, another sale. And by the way, the moon is not moon size. The moon is the size of how it looks to, uh, to well, us. It looked, which it's is, shrunk it's, during the story. Oh, okay. Did I pass um, over that part? 
Well, it was very big in the beginning, but so for all intents and purposes, it's just a round-headed weirdo guy. It's just a floating yeah. head, which yeah. again, TMBG, yeah. hello. Yeah. I think this is a spinoff podcast. <laughs> yeah. Reading creepy. Dave and Jordan read children's books? That's not a bad I idea. I get creeped out by them. This is weird, but that's not a bad, that could be very funny. Hmm. Um, Copyright, yeah. 2009, Dave and Jordan, all right. So he tries a bunch of nightgowns on. And then there's a the hidden in the drawer at the back of the shop was one more nightgown, blue flannel, little grungy night down, nightgown. And the moon loves it because it has stars on it. It's got the yeah, outer space thing. And then the moon kind of floats oh. away. For, yeah, this is strong, scares Dave. God. And then the moon kind of floats away being all like happy about buying the nightgown. But then there's no moon. So this is, this is what Ooh. I think you'd call your your act, act two or whatever. Mm-hmm. It says, in the evening, people looked for the moon and did not find her. Okay. Men walking on the black road lost... <laughs> it's like a David Lynch line. I, <laughs> <laughs> Men walking <laughs> on the black road lost their way. Owls <laughs> crossing the woods lost theirs. Boy. And women forgot the words to their songs. Now, that's well, a I don't really... Know why. Yeah, why <laughs> with the moon? I think that's like actually a, a weirdly interesting... That's like a beautiful sentiment. So women forgot the words to the songs. I didn't realize moons had uh, control over speech functions. Yeah. And then this main girl, who, by the way, not a very big part of this book for, for most of it. So the main girl is, is standing by her windowsill being like, oh, supporting there's no moon. Yeah. And then everyone around the world is like, where the hell is the moon? Yeah. And then the moon passes the sun and says, does no one love my new nightgown? <laughs> Such a vain moon, I would say. And then the sun says, oh, moon, people on earth want my gold face in the day and your silver face in the night. So many things change on earth that they want nothing to change in the sky. That's kind of deep. Yeah. Take the nightgown back. And she says, I won't take it back, cried the moon. You must take it back. What should my son voice be? You must. I don't don't really have many voices I could do. You must take it back. No, that's not right at all. (laughs) Um, You must take it back. Promise me you will take it back. And then she says, oh, very well, I promise. And then we're at oh, the last. that was easy. Yeah, that was. And then, the but the moon's promises, what are they worth? <laughs> Jack shit. <laughs> That's a great line. But the moon. Pile of turds, promises, if you ask me. <laughs> what are they worth? She took the nightgown off and she hid it in a drawer at the back of the sky. And on those nights when you see no moon, you can be sure she's trying it on and dreaming that she is back on earth, sleeping under the warmest feather bed in the world. And she's sleeping next to this little girl who's barely a character, I yeah. would say. And that's the nightgown of the sullen moon. So. So that's what the song's about. I hope you enjoyed story time. Yeah. And. On to the song. I forgot what podcast this was. <laughs> okay, well, Dave, I talked a lot about it being one of my favorite songs. What do you think of the song? I think it's completely about that book. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite songs as well. I didn't know that. Uh, it's a great song. It's a single. It's another single, I think. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, top five song. Maybe a top 10. Definitely mm. a top 20. Definitely. Yeah, you know, I, when I said top five, I felt very confident in saying yeah. that. <laughs> well, that's only because I like so many other songs. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, one of the things I... Let me take a look at my notes here. Dave's going to now read his notes the way I read the children's book. Join me, if you will, on a podcast that's quite a thrill. Um, <laughs> yeah, so one thing I like about the lyrics a lot is the uh, there's another reference to space and breathing. 
Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm noticing... Like in She's an Angel or yeah, something. Yeah, She's yeah. an Angel. And then later on, Apollo 18 is going to be a whole science kind oh, of yeah, oh, yeah. spacesuit. Um, spacewalk. It's like a spacewalk. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that, Linnell, going back to the well of... Uh, breathing and breath and space and the idea of no air and yeah this is something that comes up a lot and it is like you know it's it's you can't help but it it can't help but be a poetic idea you know because space is something that we like can't really comprehend much right unless you're a nasa nerd yeah (laughs) but um i guess we'll just go through some of the lyrics though i mean I love the right away, the image fell on the door and you fell on the floor with your hand on the knob looking up and abruptly. Yeah. That's such a funny image. It's kind of cartoony. It's like you fell, you're lying horizontally on top of a door that came off its hinges, right? Right. And it's very uh, pogo-ish. <laughs> yeah, it um, is. Yeah. In terms of how it's structured. Yeah. And your hand is still on the knob and you're like, what just happened? Yeah. And forget what you're thinking, fire alarms go. I mean, look, this song, we're not going to logically say the story because this is a bunch of, this song to me is is like we were, you know, is dream imagery. If, yeah, if, it's if a anything. feeling, I think. It is a feeling. Um, so it's it's about like just this abrupt, sudden feeling of being woken up from something. You know, fire alarms going off is, is pretty yeah. clear to me. You know, you're being woken up from like a slumber of some sort. And in the night kind of the sullen moon, how the windows lean into the room. I always thought that line was interesting too. Cause I always in think of like of moonlight, moonlight leaning yeah. into the room, but it's not moonlight. It's the windows. It's maybe the shadow that it's. Maybe. Yeah. The shadow of those window like frames, yeah. right. Going into the room. I maybe. Think. I mean, we're just like, we don't know. Um, and then, yeah, like Dave said, like drug. So I always thought drug trip. It's not a drug trip was a veiled reference to the Lucy in the sky with diamonds thing. Oh. Because, you know, people like it stands for LSD, right. dude. And didn't John Lennon be like, no, it was a drug. That's what he says. <laughs> but I don't know. Well, so by the way, we're at like two Beatles references on this compilation so far, I guess. But um Here's number three. Oh <laughs> it's not a drug trip. <laughs> drug trip is not a drug trip, so you feel a bit insulted. Spacewalk is like a spacewalk with the corresponding way. Lost in your nothing but air with your hand in the air and your shoelaces tied up together with care. There's a feeling of boredom of the big boredom following dress. I like you feel a bit insulted. To me, that always um, came across as, you know, like when someone has like really interesting art and then there are people like yes, online exactly. going like, you must well, smoke a lot of yeah. weed. And they're just like, uh, or I'm creative, <laughs> <laughs> like naturally. I always thought about that for that line. Like, why would you feel insulted at the insinuation that it's a drug trip? Well, it's like that uh, Simpsons where they're up all night. Uh, the, the, it's the Poochie episode where... Otto's oh, yeah. reading the script. He's like, whoa, what are you guys smoking? And they're like, oh, we were eating fried chicken. It's like, yeah, we're just trying to make a thing. We don't. Yeah. Well, that's a funny, I mean, that's funny on a few levels because there's nothing that weird about a talking dog. Right. It's the main <laughs> joke. But the, the other thing that makes me think of is Andy Partridge from XDC. He said in an interview once that like people would ask him if they would do drugs while they were recording. Yeah, he just said, you can't really make an album when your hands are turning into lobster claws. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then the line that you're saying, spacewalk, it's like a spacewalk. So you're saying it's, dr- saying it's a drug trip is too um, simple. Diminutive. Yeah, is the point. And he's saying it's more like a spacewalk, which is like, well, what is that even? He's saying it's more like something that you don't even under, you can't even understand, right. really. You're nothing but air. 
is a great. I'm God. I love this song. Nothing but air with your hands in the air, which is with your <laughs> hand in the air, like that you just don't care, right? Right. Um, but it's funny because if you're nothing but air, you don't really have a hand. You're just air. But <laughs> it kind of contradicts itself. This is a very limericky. Yeah, you're nothing but air with your hand in the air, and your shoelaces tied up together with care. Um, I don't know. <laughs> You got me on the, on some of these. No, I just I think it really goes back to a childhood thing a lot. Like mm, everything tie, about this, learning to tie your shoelaces with care. Yeah, everything mm, about this seems like to have that. like a childlike quality to it. That's Probably just being in that mindset because it was a kid's drawing and whatever. Yeah, it, interesting. It, it seems like relearning everything all over again. Oh my god, that's good. And then we've got a. Does that make sense? Yeah, I do like that a lot, actually. And Are you then, happy now, Internet? So then we've got something that's extremely, uh, <laughs> extremely throws me off, which is there's a feeling of boredom of the big whoredom. That's in my notes. Um, I'm a little conflicted. I think we'll save our big, big whoredom, just <laughs> big, big, big whoredom discussion for the future. But let's at least reference that they have a song <laughs> called The Big Big Hordom. It was an old, very, very old song of theirs. They would play it live in a crazy way, and then it was released on then the earlier years. And I don't, I don't know how to do this without talking about both songs, but I, I guess very quickly, I always took Big Big Hordom as some sort of a relationship failure of a song. Right? See, and, we, and we had disagreements about this song, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which Why well, saw it as selling out to the man nine to five job. So you think it's about whoring yourself yeah. out? I, I sort of saw it as about like a kind of being scared of the, of the relationship problem that's mm. happening. Um... So there's a feeling of boredom of the big whoredom is, I don't know, I guess he's just saying you're, you're floating above these like mundane kind of stressors in life. Does that make sense to you? I'm kind of scratching my head what the big whoredom reference means in the context of the song. Yes. Because the whole song seems to be going for one kind of narrative or feeling at least. And then we have this reference. So it's not like a reference like, hey, Mr. DJ, where it's no one would know. This was an unreleased song. So it's not. So, you know, part of the thing about writing esoteric lyrics, uh, this actually brings up a whole new topic, is that you can reference something that no one could possibly know the meaning of. Mm hmm. And it's like, doesn't matter because it's a song, you know, like you're not, you're not obligated to explain everything in a song yeah. and they might be giants do this a lot yeah. unless they say in an interview what they're talking about. There's a handful of things that no one could know what it's referenced to. I've done that. And I was thinking about this. Like I've done that in songs. Like I've referenced a thing that someone made of my, someone may have said to me or whatever mm -hmm. that no one's going to know. I think everyone does it. Yeah, it's an even better lyric when no one can figure it out because mm -hmm. that's just so cool, right? It's just such a sometimes. It's I mean, just if such the thing a mystery. If the thing it's about is not as interesting as what you made up, then yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the big big whoredom was a song that like no one would have really known except people who were going to their mid eighties live shows. <laughs> you know, him using that in here is very. It's very interesting and it is a little confusing, but I, I think I kind of like the idea of that. It is just saying you're bored with, with this thing in life. So right, you're this floating is a, above to something else. This is, yeah, this is grander, better. Maybe. 
and following dressing up, even that phrase I don't is a little confusing. But he's saying, so there's a feeling of boredom following dressing up in the nightgown of Solar Moon. So maybe he's saying it's bad to do that? I don't even... It's a little strange, the phrasing of this song. Mm-hmm. We've got this instrumental break with these pounding drums and the phone ringing sound kind of, right? Or the fire alarm. It's the fire alarm. Oh, my God. I, well, I was, oh, my God. I've never thought that. <laughs> well, is it a fire alarm or is it a school bell? To me, it sounded like a school bell. I mean, it might be the same sound anyway. Okay, so we're, we're going to go into this. I, I think this is the fucking fire alarm from the first verse, which I've never connected to. Yeah. to I mean, not to sound like a bad fan who doesn't think enough about the songs, but I've just never thought of it. And uh, it does sound like a school fire alarm. Yeah. Um, which is funny. So it's like a fire. And this does take us to the school thing. Well, that's... Sure, yeah, sure. To me, the that's childhood like, thing. Mm-hmm. To me, that was just like, okay, school's out. But I, it, that might be the same sound, you know? Yeah, I don't even know. I don't know if in schools like the you alarm that goes off. No, <laughs> We don't have the technology. Fuck. And you've got this applause yeah. happening, like a crowd cheering, which I always think is a, is always a good, like an absolutely Bill's mood. Mm-hmm. You've got this applause and thank you. I always think putting in an applause in a song like this is, it really does indicate that the narrator is uh, having some sort of a delusion of some <laughs> a break sort. from reality. Again, I, yeah. we, we tied it to like till my head falls off and the idea of someone imagining that a bunch of people are applauding them is always hilarious or there's their song applause 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 well it's just it's someone having a break which i think this song is very much about and i think it's spinning it positively but then now it might not be a bad thing now i'm confused about the following (laughs) dressing up in the night on the solar moon you're feeling of boredom now i'm like turned around on it i'm like so not sure but i think he's intentionally confusing the phrasing to be ambiguous. I'm uh, choosing to ignore those few lines. <laughs> and then it's not necessary to breathe forever is a long time. It's true. Your head is on the moon. It's not necessary to breathe forever is a long time. Your head is on the moon. It's not this is a moment in the song that I was trying to talk about. It has this like emotional weight to it. I always kind of like, it's almost like a song that kind of calms me down mm-hmm. when I'm feeling stressed out. And it sucks because it's only like a minute long. <laughs> so I wish it was like longer so I could feel that state. But see, again, that's to me another hint about the childhood thing because when you're a kid, time has no meaning almost. Forever yeah, your whole life's time. ahead of you. Oh, well, sure. Well, also, you have no context for what time is. So you're like an ant. Yeah, everything, you know, when you're in your 30s you you know how much time has been spent oh god but when you're a kid you're just like i i I don't know what time is yet because i haven't experienced it so it seems longer so forever is a long Uh, time i was driving home yesterday night and i was thinking about how when you're um it feels like everyone i know right now in their 30s is having all these like freak outs about time passing i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) yeah like every friend i have that i've met with or hung out with in the past two years it inevitably goes to a conversation about, can you believe that 20 years ago is when this thing happened? Can you believe this? Can you believe that? And I'm like, and then whereas when you talk to older people, like in their 50s, 60s, they're kind of used to that feel. They, mm-hmm. they don't care anymore. I like, think it's two things. Okay. I, 
one, I think it's this is around the check-in age yeah. for goals. Oh, God. Yeah, sure. And achieving them. And, you know, like, like, there's a reason. We're that achieving the term, a goal right yeah. now. All my dreams came true already. So there's a reason this is a uh, midlife crisis age, you know? Yeah. The other thing I think is not helping it is technology moving so fast. So I, I think no, well, in we've general... we talked about this off mic. Everything is moving faster now. Yeah, my, my theory, and, you know, stop me if you've heard this before, but I mean, my, my theory is just that when you're looking at your phone or the internet or really any sort of form of entertainment on a screen, uh, time feels like it's you don't notice time passing as much. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say you do that one night and you go, oh, wow, three hours just passed. I was just on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Now imagine you do that for eight years yeah. straight. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly those eight years cumulatively add up and they feel like two years mm-hmm. <laughs> because me and me and my girlfriend constantly have conversations where we go, oh my God, we went, we took a trip there four years ago. Oh, we were talking about the Lego movie <laughs> and Kristen, we, cause we just saw the sequel, which we both did not like at all. And, um, we were saying like, yeah, I feel like we just saw the Lego movie. It was like, that was yeah, like yeah. five years ago. I mean, that's insane. I mean, I, this is what everything feels like these days. So tying it to forever is a long time and not having that concept of time until you're, mm-hmm. you know, because I feel like in your 20s, you still feel like relatively young and, and things are kind of exciting. But being 30 is weird. And then, like I said, I think then when you're older, you're like, yeah, same shit, whatever. I, I'm used, I feel like maybe you, it slows down again. I, I feel like you will get used to that feeling, but maybe not. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm just trying not to think about it. I really think that's the only defense against it. Yeah. And then forever is a long time. Your head is on the moon. I love that line. It's like, you don't really know what it's saying, but, and I'm not, I don't think I want to try to say what it might be saying. Yeah. Well, it's just sort of a beautiful imagery. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is like Linnell at his freaking finest. Good song. I, I love this song so much. Um, instrumentation wise, one, one little note I have is like, is Flansburg on this? Maybe he did mm. the drums, but that's all I can. There's no guitar. It's really stripped down. Mm-hmm. You've got, this really sounds like a four track recording. Yeah. You've got the vocals, which are like highly unedited. Like you hear all Linnell's breaths, which we had yeah, to talk about. Because I used to obsess over the breaths in this song. And when Jordan pointed it out to me, I could never not hear it. Yeah, so once, I'm not to ruin it, but I think it kind of makes it better. But yeah, Linnell's constantly catching up with his breath in the song because it's not Those lyrics are awful. That's yeah. why. So it's kind of like when I talk and yeah. I'm like... <gasps> yeah. Maybe it's intentional. Maybe it goes back to breathing and... Yeah, I know. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I don't fucking know. Here's a thought. Like, were they about to edit it out? And Linnell goes, wait, actually, that fits. Thematically. I mean, that might be the case. Um, Probably not. The other thing is the vocals in general just aren't as compressed and upfront. I mean, there's reverb on them, but they also kind of, they dip in and out of volume. They're not as like the the TMBG mix style is that the vocals are very upfront and Mm -hmm. clear and very little reverb on them, I've noticed, for almost all their songs. This is nothing like that so that's mm-hmm. that's interesting to me and then you've got no guitar you've just got drums bass and like a little keyboard synthy noise it almost sounds like kind of backwards you're like mm-hmm. <laughs> scratchy you're welcome people mm-hmm. so that's that's yeah i mean musically that's that's kind of what i got about this song we spent a lot of time on the song is there anything sure else did, you want to say i feel like it's almost not enough one thing i'll post to our twitter i did a little music video for the song in my car mm-hmm. one day this was like a year or two ago one thing i do when i'm driving around because the so- the rhythm of the song is like 
is like sing it but try to tap my hands while singing it which is very like i'm not a drummer i imagine yeah i imagine a drummer can do that but it's actually hard but i posted a video of me trying to do this that i edited i took like a whole day to edit this (laughs) so i'm gonna post that on our twitter can you sing and play anna ing that's That's hard too no i can't yeah and you know what else i can't do with anna ing is the little kick drum that's a counter because it goes it's so hard to do it's like in between the, the things. That's one thing I'm always trying to improve on is um, Life play, playing something different than what you're singing. It's very hard to separate your really hands. Really hard. I mean, Dave's a freaking bass player and lead vocalist. I don't know how he does it. Thank you. It's kind of amazing. So Nightgown of a Soul Moon, it's like, I almost wish we could just talk about it forever because it's such a hugely favorite song of mine. But I don't want to, I, I don't want to overdo it with the lyrics, you know? Let's leave the mystery. Yes, um, but man, I love the song. Hope you it's a good en- one. Hope you enjoy, and I hope you enjoyed the book, the children's book. Might I, have been the highlight of my life. I really love it. It's it's it's. I like great, the drawings. The drawings are great. Children's books often have very nice drawings. Used to. Yeah, these days it's all iPads, iPhones. Your head is on the moon. Your head is on the moon. Whew. So. <laughs> We're going to take a, a break for now. We'll be, we'll be back with more of miscellaneous tea next time. Mm. I don't want these episodes to be too bloated, mm. <laughs> like how I feel right now. Mm. So I hope you enjoyed it. Is it a question? Yeah. And we wanted to tell you before we leave, we have a Twitter. The Twitter is don't let's pod at don't let's pod. See a bunch of fun stuff there. You can also email us. At don't let's start podcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you want to financially support us in any way, if you are if you are willing and able to, especially, anchor.fm slash don't let's start is the home base, and you'll see there's a link there to to do that. And if you want to just go right to it, just don't let's start slash support would be that. And that would be extremely appreciated by us. We'll see you here next time for the next part of our talk about miscellaneous tea. So from all of us here at the podcast, remember, it's not necessary to breathe. Forever is a long time. Mm-hmm.